On today's show, we're joined by Miami Heat broadcasting legend Eric Reed to talk about the new Dr. Jack Ramsey Media Memorial Center, his relationships with Dr. Jack and Pat Riley, and his 36 years with the Heat. It's a great conversation that any diehard Heat lifer won't want to miss in a very special episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me as always, it's David Ramil. However you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Delighted to be joined by Eric Reed, legendary Miami Heat play-by-play man for today's show. We spoke with him from the Dr. Jack Ramsey Media Center, which is the new setup for the Bally Sports Miami Heat broadcast. And uh, I got to say, they did a fantastic job with it. It was just really cool to sit there and talk to Eric about his career working with Dr. Jack. Uh, and he told some some great stories um, throughout throughout the show, not only about working with Dr. Jack and what Dr. Jack meant to him, but about broadcasting. And um, he shared a, a few revealing things with us as well. Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, a peek behind the curtain we hear his voice. We welcome him into our home the same way we did with him and Dr. Jack when they were paired together for eight years. And we've been listening to Eric for 36 years, but I think this showed a different side of him and how much those relationships that he's cultivated over those 36 years have meant to him and his work with the Miami Heat. And it just was a really fantastic episode, a great conversation, like I said, and one that I think everybody would want to hear. And, and, you know, Dr. Jack, for him to be commemorated this way, I think a lot of younger fans who probably joined their fandom after the Big Three era or even during the Big Three era weren't, aren't really aware of like the importance of Dr. Jack. But he was legitimate. He, he added some legitimacy to the broadcasting team. Eric was really good, but mostly established as a collegiate voice. Dr. Jack, a Hall of Famer, a championship winning coach with the Portland Trailblazers in 1977. And just a guy that knew so much about basketball. And Eric does a fantastic job of explaining like the wealth of knowledge that he was paired with every yeah. night on these broadcast teams. And just for me, that was the introduction to my love of basketball. And I mentioned it during our conversation, but just to hear Eric and Jack talk about the game of basketball with so much love made me fall in love with the game itself. And, you know, to, commemorate him again this way they're going to have a, an unveiling a ribbon cutting for the actual memorial center on november 1st yep. and they're going to have four of dr jack's kids there his family is going to be there eric's going to be there and it's just such a special touch because they really brought in all these little nuances yeah. right what were you going to say yeah. no that's the, like the, the the plaid chairs you know jack dr jack you know famously wore like the plaid blazers and things like that so they've yes. got plaid chairs that eric reed and then and, and his uh color analyst john crotty are sitting in and everybody is sitting in this thing yep. takes up basically the the entire one whole side of the arena so the, the the tv camera crew is there the radio people for Miami and for the, the the visiting team are there. All everybody is is using this center, and it just really speaks to the legacy. You think about Dr. Jack Ramsey, and by the way, anybody that hasn't and I mentioned this on the show with with Eric, yeah. anybody hasn't read Breaks of the Game, just go ahead and read that. It's one of the great sports books of all time, 
And Dr. Jack Ramsey is a big part of that, obviously, because he coaches that championship winning Portland Trailblazers team. That's what the book is about. But um, he's known as a coach. He's known as a basketball guy. So to also have this part of his legacy honored um, in one of the premier arenas for one of the premier franchises in the NBA has got to be really cool. And like you said, they do a great job with all the little touches. They got his like um, his catchphrases kind of just in random yep. spots throughout the thing. Like, it's really cool. I think it's gonna be really it cool. It is. It's it's such a nice touch, and for a team that gets criticized and ridiculed to some degree because of heat culture, what it has been since 1995 when Pat Riley joined the organization is really a family environment. Like there, we talked about this you and I off air. Just even heat PR being there from the <laughs> the Wade Shack era and all the way through the Big Three and everything else. But you have members of the front office that have been there since the very beginning. Mm. You know, Eric's been there for as long as he has. But just people who have been part of this team, who have grown through all the different eras and iterations. When you get a job with the Heat, you're basically a Heat lifer. And that kind of consistency mm. and everything else really trickles down in every department of the front office and with the team. And Jack was a big part of that. And Eric spoke about the fact that he kind of helped bridge the gap from a team that wasn't particularly good and was just trying to find their identity as an expansion team in 1988. And they finally make the playoffs. And then Pat Riley joins and adds even further legitimacy right. to that group, making them championship contenders. And for them to honor Dr. Jack as a great of the game and one of the best broadcasters in Heat history, I think was a really, really nice thing to do. And speaking even more broadly about Miami, the, the Heat have been around now for 30, this is going to be the 36 years of franchise. They're now just sort of starting to recognize our history because they have some history to recognize, right? Like yes. 35 years ago was a long time ago. So it's, they're starting to sort of bring together and bridge the gap between what is now been one of the most successful franchises in the league for, you know, basically 20 years and, and, and their roots too. And I think just what the heat have been doing in a lot of different ways is kind of interesting. And, and we're starting to get generational heat fans now who appreciate that. Like you said, you grew up with Dr. Jack Ramsey. I was born in 1991. I don't, I, I kind of remember him, but I don't really remember him. Like Tony Fiorentino was my color analyst for most of my yes. life. My, you know, my yes. basketball watching uh, uh, childhood. So I think that stuff matters, right? It's recognizing different eras, different parts um, of the Heat's history. Should uh, make a note here. There is some noise at certain parts in the show, other parts of the arena we're getting ready for the season opener. We recorded this just hours before tip-off against the Pistons. Uh, but that's showbiz, baby. That's just how it works. So uh, <laughs> we appreciate you dealing with all of those. And again, if you have not checked out our uh, recap of the uh, season opening win against the Detroit Pistons, that's up on YouTube and in your podcast feed as well. Stick around for the, the show with Eric Reed. We think you're really going to enjoy it. Just the, the sort of different side of the things that we usually do here. But we think uh, very much worth your while. So uh, enjoy. Today's episode is brought to you by Dave. At one time or another, we've all needed a little financial help. There's no shame in that. That's just a reality. And that's why Dave is so great because Dave, not just a great name, but Dave can get you the cash when you need a hand between paychecks. And they can help you build credit by setting extra cash advances on time. Dave is a banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. And when you download Dave, you could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check. No late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest, and then you settle up later. So download Dave today at dave.com slash locked on NBA. That's dave.com slash locked on NBA. You can get up to $500 in five minutes. 
or less. No credit check, no late fees. Who doesn't like that? Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash NBA For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees do apply. Banking services provided by Evolve member FDIC. Today's episode is also brought to you by Jace Medical. There's a lot of things going on in the world around us, a lot of things that could cause delays and and getting some of the medicines and medications that you might need. But that's where Jace Medical has you covered with their new Jace case, a personalized emergency medical kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. But you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique individual needs. Jace Medical now offers customizability for your Jace case, but dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit for you and your family's unique needs. Go to jacemedical.com, enter the code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at jasemedical.com. Welcome to Locked On Heat with our great friend, Eric Reed. We are broadcasting this from the uh, Dr. Jack Ramsey Memorial Broadcast booth, which is obviously new for this season. Eric, you've been doing this now for 35 years. Um, This obviously is the first time you'll be broadcasting from this booth. What does it mean to you to get a chance to do it from something that, uh, from that means something that memorializes somebody that meant so much to this organization and to you personally. Well, first of all, thank you for, for both for, for having me on uh, to, to talk about Jack and, and the new season and our new broadcast location. We actually did a couple of preseason games for, from here, and we were one level up the last few years. But uh, first of all, it's, it's, a, it's a listen, we, we all miss the days of, of sitting courtside. But times have changed. Uh, I think most broadcast positions for TV, like radio in years past, have moved up. And I I think what you hope for is that each organization finds another good home for the TV and radio broadcasters. And I think here in Miami, Ted Ballard and Ross and Mike Fernandes, um, they all did a wonderful job of of creating this broadcast space. And, And to have it named after... You know, the late and legendary Hall of Fame coach, Dr. Jack Ramsey. Um, you know, it's funny, the people of today's generation don't remember Jack as the, the great NBA coach that he was. Won a championship with the Trailblazers in 77. Long career as a successful collegiate and, and professional head coach. So many people of today's generation, they'll remember Jack from his days at ESPN and for his broadcast work in Miami. We, we got to spend eight years and, and over 500 telecasts together. Um, a Jack Ramsey, if you're blessed, comes along once in your lifetime. And I feel like I was blessed to, to share that personal and professional relationship with him. Um, his era here was from year five of the franchise to year 13. So those were the eight seasons. We bridged, as a broadcast team, the Kevin Lockery coaching era to the beginning of the Pat Riley era. So it was a very interesting and changing time for Miami. But th- there's never been a person that I've met I- in the broadcast world that combine knowledge and warmth like Jack Ramsey. A Hall of Fame coach's knowledge, uh, the warmth and genuineness of, of a guy that could be your dad or your grandpa. 
And it was just wonderful to share that time with him both on and off the air. I'm really excited to do this because, David, you're going to ask Eric a bunch of questions, I'm sure, about Jack Ramsey because that was your era. You mentioned, but you mentioned people that are maybe too young to remember him as a coach. I'm not, unfortunately. (laughs) I barely remember him as a broadcaster. I I was born in 1991. You started in 1991. So, right? Well, not 88, 88, 89. Yes. So, um, yeah, that was all new to me. But I will say this. Uh, for anybody that doesn't remember Jack Ramsey as the coach, read Breaks of the Game. That's obvious. Great read book. That book. Yes. And then, um, and then again, I'm very excited to hear all these things. But you mentioned something before we get into some of the stuff on, on, on Dr. Jack there, how things have changed. What would you say is the biggest change from when you first started doing this to, to now? For broadcasters? Yeah. I don't think a whole lot has changed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still you and the game and the fans. And... Uh, I, I think it's it's a three-way relationship. I get to enjoy. Listen, I've been I've been with the Heat. This is my, my 36th season. Uh, can I count the partners? Yes, I've had extraordinary partners. I've worked with, you know, great coaches like Jack Ramsey, Mike Fratello, uh, Tony Fiorentino. I've worked with players like Easy Ed Pinckney and yes. now John Crotty. Yes. Um, <laughs> but Jack Ramsey, I mean. You know, when he came to the Heat, it was early in his broadcast career. He had done a couple of years uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. And I can remember listening and watching a couple of his videotapes. And it, it was a drier version of Jack Ramsey. We got a colorful and very entertaining version of Jack Ramsey here in Miami. So he was the epitome and the definition of what a color analyst should be. Somebody who is very intelligent, had, had great command of, of the right. English language, um, could explain the game in a way that everybody could understand at a Hall of Fame level. And again, the warmth and the fun that he had, his sense of humor um, and his genuineness. There was nothing I enjoyed more than after games. We didn't have a, a third person with us. After games, Jack and I would do the interviews. But mm-hmm. to hear Jack Ramsey interview a player, whether he was for the Heat or an opponent player, yeah. the warmth in which he did each interview, the interest he took in every person that he met, uh, rare, rare, and just a, a, an unbelievable man and, and leader and mentor and, and partner. For me, and I've told you this prior to our recording this, it was the beginning of my love affair with basketball and it was made much easier because of of you and Jack. Like that was my introduction to basketball was hearing you talk about the sport and learning about it through living vicariously through you both in the way that you explained a game and, and I'm glad you brought up the uh the his ability to connect with players because he he was just so like he used to always say, Eric, I had a chance to speak with X player before the game. Like he would always talk about him being able to connect with these players. And I always love to picture Jack going up to a random player from another team and just being able to say, hey, you know, just talk about life in general. Because he just gave that kind of warmth and energy. You know, what? he, he was a, a Navy frogman before yeah. the Navy SEALs came yeah. into being. Uh, he was in the fitness long before it became fashionable. He was always a renaissance man and a man ahead of his time. But one of the, I, I tell a lot of Jack Ramsey stories, you know, to try to describe him as a human being. I mean, there were times when we traveled uh, separately from the ball club. That meant a lot of commercial flights and cab rides with Jack. And there wasn't a cab ride that we took that wasn't just mind-blowing because the interest that Jack would take in whoever our driver was. Didn't matter who he, he wanted to know about that guy. 
one, one night we're driving to the United Center in Chicago for a Heat Bulls game, and he gets this guy into a conversation, and I was sort of paying attention, thinking about the game more. But then I heard the cab driver, Jack said, are you a sports fan? And the cab driver said, yes, I, I love listening to the Bulls on the radio. And that immediately caught my attention. And now the broadcaster, I'm thinking like, I jumped into the conversation. I said, why? Why do you like listening to that radio guy so much? And the radio guy back then for the Bulls was longtime uh, Bulls voice, Neil Funk. And the cabbie said to me, he goes, I, 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 lo I love listening to him because he says kaboom. I go, what do you mean? He says, kaboom. He goes, on, on three-point shots, he, he says, kaboom. So I turned to Jack in the back seat of this cab. So kaboom was born in the back seat of a cab. I, I said, Jack, all the things we say in the course of a broadcast, all the knowledge we try to impart, that's what this guy loves. I'm going to throw in a kaboom tonight. <laughs> and I think this was 1995. I have been using kaboom ever since. I confessed to Neil Funk that I was stealing his line. I'm not sure if he was flattered by that or or uh, put off by it but at least I, I i told him about it but yeah and J that's the kind of guy jack was though he wanted to know everything about whoever he was with that's right it was amazing like his, his energy and his enthusiasm of course it translated with his signature calls you know the stuff uh you know uh you know, like this way that way the, the harder way i mean which of those is your favorite by the way i'm curious to find out well, I, I love this away, that away, hard away. <laughs> um, Alonzo Morning with a slamma jamma. <laughs> there were times Jack, you know, at commercial breaks, would talk to the video room. He'd say, "Video room, do some exercise." Jack was drinking, pouring hot cocoa into his coffee long before Starbucks came up with cafe mocha. Again, ahead of his time. <laughs> But, you know, I, I think my favorite Jack call was regarding Vashon Leonard, the undrafted guard out of Minnesota. Yeah. And I love Leonard as a player. Yeah, you know, we've had so many guys like him since sure. then. But the Leonard, Leonard, Leonard. Now, early on in our partnership, I realized that the most important thing that I could do as his partner was give him all the room he wanted and needed and desired in each broadcast. And we did. I think the funniest story that I could tell you, and I've shared this many, many times over the years, but Jack was such a people person. There was a game we did in San Antonio. And, you know, we don't have it as much now, but back, back in the day, they, there was a stage manager, a young man or young woman who would sit next to one of us and, and hand me the cards for the promos. Well, this particular night in San Antonio was a, a middle-aged woman who was the stage manager's job, and she must have been wearing perfume. As she leaned across Jack Ramsey to hand me the, the card to read, we're just coming back on the air when the home viewer hears Jack Ramsey say to this woman, of course, they don't know he's talking to her, he says, mmm, you smell good. <laughs> and without missing a beat, I said, thank you, coach, you smell good too. <laughs> what a moment, what a moment. It must have been so fun. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks making daily fantasy so easy. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. It's really simple to play. You can make your picks and you can submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. That's fantastic. That's what makes it so much more easier. And again, go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match of up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA and use the code LockdownNBA to make daily fantasy sports easy. 
so much of a young organization, not really much of an identity, not a knock on those players like Ronnie Cycli and, and Sherman Douglas and everybody else, but it wasn't really until Pat Riley joined the team that kind of carved out the identity there for this team. But I mean, what was that transition like for you, watching those teams with very little expectations, just hoping to make the playoffs and then all of a sudden becoming legitimate title contenders? You know, the first three years was a joyride called expansion. And even though those first three Heat teams won 15, 18, and 24 games, those were bad seasons. But it was the beginning. It was the innocent climb. It was the building of a franchise with Ron Rossi as a head coach. We collected some young talent that made it entertaining, like Ronnie Cycli and Sherman Douglas, Kevin Edwards, Grant Long, um, Kevin Edwards, Bimbo Coles. We were starting to build something. When the Heat hired Pat Riley to become president and head coach, it's, it's a day none of us will ever forget. It was on the Carnival cruise ship, the imagination. And you had to use some that day because when Pat Riley was introduced, it instantly changed our franchise for the better. It made us matter even from that first moment in a way that we hadn't mattered before. And I think we all understand it 29 years later. Pat that day talked about the vision he had of a parade down Biscayne Boulevard. We've had three of them. But... Uh, yeah, you know, so those were those were great times. And, and, you know, when Pat Riley came to Miami and Jack Ramsey was my broadcast partner, talk about a wealth of, of coaching talent. And to be a fly on the wall, to be in the presence of Jack and Pat for some of their conversations. Right. And, of course, there were many private conversations that they shared. But just to see them interact... It's a snapshot that you just never will forget because Pat looked at Jack, um, you know, who was broadcasting well into his 70s, into his 80s. And back then, this is a long time ago, 20 plus, 20 plus years ago, Pat would look at Jack and say things like, ah, oh, you're a lifer, Jack. I, and, and, and Jack would say back to Coach Riley, you're a lifer too, Coach. You're a lifer too, Pat. And here's Pat Riley, well into his 70s, right. still with fire in his eyes and, and, and gas in the tank and that, that desire for another parade to bring another championship team to Miami. Um, but the interaction between Jack and Pat in those days was really special and unique. Was it ever like watching two people speak a different language? Like from your perspective, it's not like you don't know a lot about basketball, obviously, but from these two coaches that were peers in many ways, was it like watching them and seeing them kind of just interact with one another? Like, did you ever feel like, wow, I'm kind of just lucky to see them interact the way that you do? As a broadcaster, you know, you get paid for and are evaluated for talking. In life, it's probably more important to be a listener. And when you were around Pat Riley and Jack Ramsey, you listen. You mentioned a couple of guys there, first of all. Well, first of all, first of all, is that where Heat Lifer comes from, do you think? Jack and Pat calling each other lifers? It may well have been. That's the first time I remember hearing yeah. that. Um, when you talked about Jack Ramsey, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra now, some of the other coaches that you've done broadcasts with, is there a common denominator in terms of that curiosity that you're talking about with somebody being in a cab and just being like, all right, I just want to know more about this person? Is that maybe something that you see in common with, with some of the most successful people that you've been around or worked with? Well, I think that part, uh, the humility, the sense of humanity, yeah. uh, how good-natured he was, yeah. and maybe he wasn't all of that all of the time while he was in the throes of coaching. Um, <laughs> you're a, you're a different guy when you have the pressure and the stress that every coach at every level has. Um, 
But they're all special. And, and, you know, I've been around the game for a long time. And I, I think I've been blessed to have always been around great coaches. When I started at Cornell University, uh, I did Cornell football, basketball, and lacrosse. The lacrosse coach at Cornell was one of the greatest lacrosse coaches in the history of the sport. He became a dear, lifelong friend, the late Richie Moran. I went on to Providence College to do basketball, and uh, they had a legendary coach named Joe Mullaney when I got there. Before I left, I got to witness Rick Pitino, a young Rick Pitino, taking over a Providence program in 1986. In 1987, he took that team to a Final Four. That season with Billy Donovan as the Heat's po- as the, the the Providence point guard and Rick Pitino as the head coach, got to go to a Final Four in New Orleans with with that team. And to this point in my life, I would still point to that season as the best coaching job I've ever witnessed. But to come to Miami, first of all, the the influence of Ron Rossi, our first head coach who really began to build the foundation of a, of a hard-working, defensive-minded team, even in, in those first three years when we didn't win much. But he's still around today doing broadcasting, and uh, he's one of my heroes in the Heat organization. I'm so glad he got brought back to be a part of the 06 first championship team as yeah. an assistant coach. I, I felt that night in Dallas that the two most deserving champions in that building were Ron Rothstein, who was the coach of the expansion Heat, and Alonzo Mourning, who came back and won a championship in his encore. It meant more to me to see them be champions than, than any two other people. And of course, Pat Riley, you know, one of the great coaching minds in the history of the sport. And I think he's he's even topped that as a franchise architect. It's it, To me, it's his crowning achievement. It's one thing to coach a team. It's another thing to build a culture and build a championship-seeking team year after year after year. It's become a state-of-the-art franchise because of Pat Riley and the Arison family, namely Mickey and now his son Nick. Uh, and, and, you know, like one of the things that made Pat has made and continues to make Pat so great, he's a visionary. He sees things before the rest of us do, like the summer of 2010. He right. saw that three, four years out, like naming Eric Spolster as a head coach when nobody outside of this building had ever even heard of him. And now Spolster is looked at as maybe the premier coach in the league right now. And, and you know, to have the relationship that so many of us have with Spo, um, you know, a lot of us have been here for a long time. And a lot of us remember, you know, Eric Spolster in his mid-20s coming back from Germany where he played overseas as the Heat's video coordinator. And there's a great story. Pat Riley asked Tony Fiorentino, who was an assistant at that time, uh, this guy Spolstra, our video coordinator, is he a video guy that knows basketball or a basketball (laughs) guy that knows video? Well, he was a basketball guy that knew video, and now he's one of the the great teachers, coaches, motivators. He epitomizes what the heat culture is all about, always trying to be better. Uh, Coaching staff that, like, lives to serve their players, whether you're here for a week or 15 years. Yeah. They're going to serve you. They're going to make you better. They're going to pour everything they have into you. And, and that's a big part of the Heat culture. And, you know, it's hard to top what Pat Riley has done. But Eric Spolstra, it's like Riley 2.0. I mean, he's an updated version in today's modern game. And uh, we have been blessed around here for a long time with great coaches. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about what you do as a broadcaster? Because I'm fascinated by it. Because as we know, a lot can go wrong in the middle of any kind of broadcast. <laughs> so... Uh, it's a high wire act. You've done such a great job of it for more than 30 years. 
But I am curious, like when when you're dealing with having to bring on new partners, new uh, you know color analysts and things like that, what is the most important part of maybe developing that chemistry to where it is a smooth experience for the viewer? I think it's just being first and foremost a good person. Um, you know, one of Spo's mantras for his team is, can you be happy for your teammate's success? Mm -hmm. And for me, with every partnership that I, that I have encountered, I'm trying to make it good for that person. I'm trying to make sure that I do everything I can to contribute to the person sitting next to me's success. Um, it's an intimate thing. We, we share a lot of time together on and off the air. Um, we're watching games together with all of Heat Nation. So, you know, it's funny, a couple of years ago during the COVID time, John Crotty missed five games in a row. And Ruth Riley Hunter sat in for him. And, and my mind, yeah, she did, was wonderful. And I was so thankful. I, listen, I was sorry John had to miss games. None of us like to do that. But I was so, my mindset was so there for Ruth of, I want to make these few games. Because we didn't know how many it would be. As good as I could for Ruth to make her feel comfortable and, and welcome and to help bring out her expertise. And it was a wonderful experience to share with her. And she now is in the front office on the basketball side. But that's the mindset I go well, into got, it. You got to promote it. I, I did. She got herself promoted. But, uh, but listen, you know, Tony Fiorentino and I, you know, he was an original assistant coach. I was so close with Ronnie and Tony from year one of the franchise to spend 15 years working alongside one of your closest friends and a colleague that you've had from day one with the Heat was special. We, we got to enjoy championships together. And now working with John Crotty. Listen, I remember John on the 96-97 Heat. He and Ed Pinckney stood out to me as two veteran guys that didn't spend a lot of time with the Heat, but enough time to get to know the kind of player and people that they are and were. So just like John made himself a, a, a good NBA player, he's made himself a very good broadcaster. Years of work. Uh, we enjoy the time we spend together. We have a lot of fun calling the games, and uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you a quick question. I know you can't take away anything from your 2006 experience with Tony and all, but do you have any regrets that you weren't able to share the championship experience with Dr. Jack? That's about the only thing we didn't share. Yeah, no kidding. I, I have no regrets about my time with Jack. I mean, those eight years, 500 games, uh, I hope for the fans that remember those broadcasts, they smile when they, they think of Jack Ramsey and, and hear his voice. And that kind of relationship with a person like that, it, it serves me to this day. Matter of fact, Jack, in some ways, Jack is responsible for my, for my, for my wife. I, I met my wife when Jack Ramsey threw a, a dinner party. Um, and I ended up sitting next to my future wife that night, thanks to the awesome. dinner party that Jack Ramsey threw. So the man has done a great deal for me. You knew a lot about basketball and matchmaking, apparently. <laughs> Speaking of dinner party, I think we have some a food drop here from Six of One, the restaurant up here. Um, that. You guys are big timers. <laughs> no, it's because you're here. Um, this looks like a chicken sand. This is the... Uh, the, the the wonton nachos. You tried these before. The I did. I tried these yesterday. The uh, plantain encrusted chicken sandwich. Wow. That's unbelievable. Honestly, I don't know how he does the bread. That, that, that's Jack Ramsey endorsed. That's Jack Ramsey endorsed. Yeah. Um, we have a thing called League Pass rankings, uh, where we kind of rank the top teams in the NBA just in terms of watchability. 
I'm so curious if you have like a play-by-play -play rankings in terms oh. of players whose who's just actions really just kind of caught your imagination and you just loved calling. So it's not necessarily like the quality of the player, but you're just like stylistically something almost like that. You know what I mean? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about my favorite broadcasters. Oh, uh, that's even a better question. Answer that one instead. That, that's a tough one too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that one I have a better immediate yeah. answer for. You know, the two guys that, that work for teams and networks right now that I look at, at and I would put a third guy there, Kevin Harlan, who started with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I can remember Kevin and I, you know, colleagues from the second year of the Heat was the first year of the Timberwolves. Kevin Harlan cut his NBA baby teeth doing the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, so I look at Kevin the same way as I look at Mike Breen and Ian Eagle. Breen's been the voice of the finals for a long time. He's been the voice of the Knicks for about as long a time. Breen did the first, his first finals was the 2006. I, I, I think you're right about that. Ian Eagle uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, one of the top NBA and NFL announcers out there. But those three, Harlan, Breen, and Eagle, I look at them as the top of our profession, and they're three of the nicest, humble, down-to-earth, regular guys. And, you know, I, always, I tell my own kids, I say, be a big shot, never act like one. And those guys epitomize that. I like to march in those same footsteps, do your job as well as you can, enjoy the experience, stay humble, and, and do the best you can. And, and I think those three guys set a tone, like, like having an Alonzo morning on your team. When your best player is your hardest worker, mm -hmm. it's a great situation for your team. When the best people in your profession are excellent at what they do and are even better as people, that's a beautiful tone to set for our profession. And do you have any players? They can be former players. They don't even have to be current players. Just, you know, a couple that come to mind. Just so curious. As a broadcaster, you know, yeah. I, I don't pick favorites as players. I, I try to treat... Sounds like something a parent would say. I try to treat <laughs> each player with the respect that they have both earned sure. and deserved. Even when we do preseason games. And I, I said this on one of our preseason games over the last couple of weeks might be the end of a, a preseason game that nobody even cares about the outcome but the guys on the court are trying to earn a spot on an NBA roster it's so meaningful to them so never diminish the importance of that yeah I'm gonna tell a story now that I have not told publicly before um, a number of years back I had a telecast for the heat we were playing the Brooklyn Nets and Blake Griffin was near the end of his career with Brooklyn, and I made a few comments about him that night that I didn't mean to be belittling, but they came off that way. Um, his athleticism had been diminished by injuries. It was really obvious that night that he was a shell of the high-flying former all-star that he was. And if I would have said it once, it would have been perfect. Yeah. But I probably said it three or four times during the course of that telecast, and it like lit a forest fire on social media. And it's weird because the fans that were watching it loved it. And they <laughs> thought I was just roasting this guy alive. And as I'm looking at the tweets during the course of the game, I became increasingly more uncomfortable with it and realized the mistake that I had made and felt terrible about it, even though I'm getting all this adulation on social media. Later on that season, we go to play at Brooklyn, and I'm, I'm sitting on the court getting ready to do our open with John Crotty, and I look down the court, and there's the Nets warming up, and as Blake Griffin comes to the end of the layup line, he looks right at me, and the look he gave me f made me feel so small, wow. and I was like, 
I got to make this. And now I don't, I did, at that point, I did not know whether he knew about it or not, right. but I assumed that he did. Yeah. Two or three years went by and I, and I never got it out of my mind. And I kept saying, I got to make it right with this guy. I thought about writing him a note. I never did. I, I talked to the PR guy with the Nets. Well, wouldn't you know it, we play the Celtics in the conference finals last season. I am standing on the, on the floor of the Kaseya Center in front of the Celtics bench, watching players warm up as I always do, you know, an hour or two before the game. And right out of that visiting tunnel where the visiting locker room is, Blake Griffin of the Celtics comes walking out, comes onto the court and starts heading to the other end of the court. And without pre-planning this or even having an instant to think about it, I jumped into action and I caught up to Blake and I said, Blake, I'm Eric Reed. I'm the TV announcer for the Heat and I've been wanting to talk to you for years. And he just looked at me. I said, I just want to apologize for the comments I made about you a few years ago. It was not my intention to, to embarrass or ridicule you. Um, I was trying to show empathy for you, but I know it didn't come out that way. And I just really want to apologize to you. It's not what I intended. And he looked at me right in the eye and he didn't say a word, but he extended his hand and we shook hands. And Will Manso from across the court took a snapshot of this. I purposely did not tweet it out. I wanted to because I wanted to point out to our fan base that what you thought was funny I regretted for years, and I finally made it right by apologizing to Blake Griffin. This is the first time I've ever talked about it publicly. I purposely did not put out the tweet because I wanted it to stay that special, meaningful, private moment that I shared with Blake. But that's the way I do my business as, as the Heat's broadcaster. I, I, I want to give respect to every player, every coach, every official that we see work these NBA games. They all you know, paid a price and beat the odds to be where they are. I feel like I've done the same to be where I am, and I always want to treat my job and everybody that, that we're entertained by as we watch NBA basketball, give them the respect that they earned and deserve. So that, that's a little insight to the way I, I do my story. job. It's, I'm sure, a story that Dr. Jack would have been proud of. Thank also. you. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for joining us, Eric. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, this season. We're really Thank you David. I, I want to congratulate you guys on the coverage that you give to the NBA and to the Miami Heat. Uh, it's really added to the product, and we really respect what you guys do. That was our conversation with legendary Heat play-by-play man, Eric Reed. So happy that he could join the show with us. Uh, honored that he could take the time from the Dr. Jack Ramsey Media Memorial booth. Uh, that was fun, David. Uh, can't thank uh, Eric and the Heat enough for setting that up. Um, yes. And that uh, the the chicken sandwich and the nachos they dropped off from 601 <laughs> weren't bad either. You and I ate that a little bit after uh, we were done recording. So uh, all good stuff all around. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your podcast app.